Hello and welcome to the Canadian Wargamer podcast. Yes, it's the Canadian Wargamer podcast featuring two affable and youngish granddads, Mike and James, talking about primarily miniature wargames and the occasional hex encounter excursion from Mike from our unique perspective in the Great White North. And as the strains of La Foy d'Arabla die away, here are your hosts, Mike and James. Hello, everybody. You're basically, tonight you're listening to what is technically, I think, episode 25. And it's, we don't have a guest, it's just James and I nattering tonight as we do a little paint and chat and catching up. Having to catch up, yeah. Yeah. It's so, been a long summer. Has been. And uh, yeah, so I've been um, I've been surging on with the Quar, as you can see. Here they are. Um, this is the last of my initial order from Zombie Smith. Okay, so you've got a bunch of guys uh, with... Rifles and funny noses, and you got a big sandbag thingy in the background. Well, the sandbag thing was a gift from Dan. He gave it to me. I get oh. casted in like dental plaster. Um, and you can see all the uh, those. That's one of these old set of dentures, is it? Yeah, that's right. Those 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 little bases are the messenger squirrels. Oh, squirrels! Yes, because I painted I painted my um, my squirrel handler. Mm-hmm. So because they 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 put messages in little tubes strapped to the backs of these squirrels and they run around the battlefield delivering things. So, you know, it helps the command and control. Because, you know, telephone wires get cut by shrapnel and, right. and, and you know, radios break down and sometimes you just need the, the, the squirrel to get through. You know, it's, uh, we don't really think of the squirrel as being a... Um an organizing factor. We generally think of squirrels as being forces of chaos, but well, it's it's it, it's part of the grimsical nature of of the quar. Right? It, it's just why they're 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 just so freaking delightful, and people just people just kind of fall in love with them because yeah, they got the they got the big snouts and the dumpy bodies, and they're you know they're kind of you know look hunchbacked and depressed and as they're you know viciously fighting for the um, you know the the, the political um, rights of all quar and uh, yeah so you know the fact they use squirrels to run around the battlefield is just part of the fun. It is true. It's you know and um, yeah and and we will we will more part of the fun is just they're they're totally bonkers. Um, yeah, if you look at their website, their, their, their tanks all just look incredibly insane. Mm-hmm. So, um, and as I said before, like kit bashing your own stuff is kind of baked into the whole ethos of bar right. fandom. So I've, I had this 135th scale Tiger tank that was left behind at the hot lead um, uh, bring by many years ago. 
Right. I could never get rid of it. I didn't know what to do. I was going to turn into like a Victorian science fiction land ship with turrets and machine guns and shit sticking off, but I never did. Um, and then I thought, you know, Quar, I'll do something, you know, like build a big thing. And I got scared and didn't do it. And Dan said, you know what? I'll do it. And so he happened to have a, a hull for an A7V, which fit over top just perfectly as you know, everybody's got an A7V sitting around their house, unassembled. And uh, yeah, so he, he he put this together for me in a, about a week or so. And yeah, it's my big mobile command post fortress pillbox thing with machine guns sticking out. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's And it is about the size of, well, I'm trying to think what would be the size of um I don't know, the size of a small television. It's <laughs> massive. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like it, it's bigger than my hand. It's about the size of a small computer tower. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's, yeah. And it's done in this crazy uh, sort yeah. of nozzle camouflage. Yeah, well, I, I just, I just love that, that French World War I uh, dazzle camo. Like, right. it's so, um, you know, because I like, in English, being an English lit student, I, you know, studied the modernists and, you know, what, you know, the modernists were all like writing, you know, world, you know, early, early 20th century. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, on, on like, it, it's such a contrast to, you know, on one hand, you've got, you know, women in these big full skirts and big sleeves and high collars and hats. And, you know, there's horses and carriages and men with beards and top hats, but then you, you know, on the other hand, you've got these 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 crazed artists who are doing like stuff like that dazzle camouflage for art, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, and you've you've got the impressionists and and the the modern you know the modern poets like T. S. Eliot and and Ezra Pound and you know, well David Jones within parentheses, which I know you've read. I have, yeah, yeah. Yes, I've read it like two, three times. It's, it's brilliant. Brilliant, yeah, yeah. Um, in parentheses by David Jones, by the way, for those who aren't lit majors, uh, was a long novel poem um, combination mm-hmm. uh, expressing his experiences on the Western Front in World War One. And so as, as he gets closer to the front and more and more into the battle, uh, the, the, it becomes less prose and more poetic. And it becomes a sort of very, um, very expressive modernist poetry, which is just like really brilliant. Yeah. And he sort of draws on a lot of old British myths and things. Too. Yeah. It's steep. Cause of course that's when the Celtic twilight is, is just exploding across the um, English arts and literature. Right. Yeah. So you got all these people discovering Welsh myths and Irish myths and, and mm-hmm. all that great stuff, you know, so that, and it's infused with that. You know, oh, yeah. C.S. Lewis was doing that too. And in, in, uh, as a young man before the, before he joined and, and Tolkien as well. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I have this vision of all these little choir, Artists being dragged out of the Quar West Bank and uh, 
being able to paint tanks. Yeah, listed to uh, come up with schemes for giant coral land ships. I don't like well because of course this is such a great, totally over the top bonkers model. I have to write a story about it. Like I can't just put. I, I'm not just going to put pictures up in the blog and go, "Hey, here's this thing." You know, people, oh, that's cool. No, I've I've got to write a story because. Lacroix have captured my imagination so much. I've written, I've written an astounding amount of fan fiction about them. I, I've re- I read the one about the um, the the cook. Yes, yes. There's a cook, yeah. and a uh, short little story about you know for my aircraft. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't read that blog entry, but I saw it's like a DH two or something, right? Yes, like yes. a pusher, a pusher plane. He basically did a head swap on a DH two, and right. you know has him throwing a bomb over the side, which is great. Um, I had to kind of channel some of my air cadet experience, you know, so you've got leading, leading kite choir, um, can't remember his name, you know, and they're doing the thing to get the plane launched. But anyway, um, yeah. And then I did another one. Oh yeah. My the initial story about my other, my other tank. So, hmm. but yeah, so I have to write a story and it, it, it it's almost done. It's going to be great. It's going to be up in the blog soon. So. Oh. Maybe I'll win a you know win a win a governor general's award for or not. There should be like a wargaming literature literary like a creative writing wargaming. Um, you know, and and I like it. I I get a real cheap thrill out of it. Like it just kind of it helps scratch my my creative writing itch because of course you know when I was a young man, you know I wanted to be a poet. I wrote poetry, um, which mm-hmm. as my English one of my English professors says is a great way to meet girls but not much good for anything else. And he was right. Um, Cause of course nobody buys it, you know, well, um, yeah. you know, and unless, unless you can transition that into writing song lyrics, then you're okay. Well, there you like go, yeah. Leonard Cohen did. He wrote, he had all these poems and you know how to play a guitar and he said, well, I'll just sit in the cafe and sing my poems and suddenly becoming a folk music star. Yeah. Um, but sexier as he got older. How's that, how, how does that happen? What's that? And Leonard Cohen just got sexier as he got older. How, how does that happen? It, it, it works for some of us. Yeah, some, some of us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, some of us have it going on. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. anyway. Uh, yeah, and but you know, like writing. Um, you know, trying to write genre fiction, you know, like science fiction or fantasy or even a mystery, God forbid, I could be coherent enough to write a mystery novel. I mean, I'd, I'd love to write a detective novel. Mm-hmm. I've got like opening scenes like crazy, but, you know, trying to like actually plot out a mystery. Yeah. You have to have things tied together. Doesn't. Yeah. No, I don't have the discipline for that. Um, right. I want to come back to that in a bit when, when I talk about my travels, but Okay. Keep going. But you know, and and um, you know, you, you like it's very hard to break into genre writing. You know, um, you need an agent. Agents won't look at you unless you get an introduction. Yeah. And you know, as far as serious literary writing, you know, the kind of gets a governor general's award or is you know on the Booker list or whatever. Um, Nobody wants to hear about a middle-aged, heteronormative, cisgendered, white Anglophone male's 
um, experience the world, right? Uh, no, I think our, our day in the sun is, is gone. I think. Yeah, and you know, like, oh yeah, sure, it's frustrating, but you know, like whatever, that's the reality. And certainly, you know, people like us did a lot of talking at the world for many, 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 many years. And yeah, people who were, you know, not white, not Anglophone, not men, you know, um, didn't get a look in, you know, they, they, they didn't get their stories told. So it's like, yeah, whatever. Um, and like, really is my experience living in suburban Southern Ontario, really that earth shattering? No. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can write a nice descriptive paragraph about cutting the grass in a humid day, <laughs> which is a trial of, of, of Olympic proportions. Well, this summer it has been that it's uh, oh, partially, I, partially I, establish, I, I establish phase lines and hydration points. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, at least our part of the world isn't burning down. I, w- I was going to say though, you could you could always um, you could always uh, publish on Amazon. That's what a lot of hobby writers seem to do these days. Oh, my brother's done it. Yeah. Um, if anybody out there, I will give my brother a plug. Okay. Um, his pen name is MJ Wall, W-A-H-L. Right. And uh, he's written a couple of very, very cheesy um, sort of detective in space. Uh, one is Coffee in a Spaceship to Go. Mm-hmm. And the other, I can't remember the sequel to it. Um, Private Detective and Hamilton in a case meet space aliens who come to earth secretly to buy coffee because earth is the only place where coffee beans are grown and they like coffee. Well, this is, this speaks to my brother's coffee passion, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah. So he, he wrote the, they're, they're they're not great literature, um, but they're, you know, beach read cottage read. Yeah. Thank you can buy them for like $2.99 on Amazon or whatever. So there you go. He's written to he's written some books. I have not. So I can't criticize the quality of his writing. Although he did have me edit his, edit his one book for him. And I caught a continuity error. So. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to remember there's um, there's a a fellow I know, um, Chris, what is his last name? Chris Stosen, S-T-O-E-S-E-N, who's uh, written um, uh, a number of things. He, he's done a couple of supplements for Sharp Practice. He's an American. Oh, okay. But he also publishes uh, all histories about uh, airships. Oh, well, he has a I've read called CSS Appomattox. There's a hero called uh, Thomas Devereaux, and it's sort of like, a, you know, if the Civil War was going on in the steampunk airships and whatnot. Okay. And, yeah, Chris, Chris seems to make it work. Um, yeah. And then there's other. Quar have airships. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're part of the world. And it's like, man, I got to like start making my little airship models and do a game. Absolutely. 
that that would be just fun. Anyway, you know, see it just quark. I just get back to them all the time. <laughs> They're pointy, bug-eating ways. So I, I have to say, I, I have not been sold on um, Turnip Twenty Eight. It just, I find it kind of just uber creepy. But Quar, yes. they're not like little mutants, are they? They're no, no. They are. They they are just. It's it's the world. It's the world of all. They they call it Allwind. Right. They are the dominant species that has gained sentience and technological development. Right. And yeah. And they're, but they just happen to be, um, they, they just happen to be, uh, omnivorous anteaters, you know, they eat bugs, but they also eat other things, you know, fruit, grain, meat. So, but they like bugs, you know, they, they like their, they like their fried earthworm sandwiches. (laughs) So. And beer, they like, you know, they, they like to drink too. So, cause you know, since since Quar is all about the soldiers, it's you know you gotta have drinking in there. Yeah, and, and that the one thing I uh, that you wrote, I, I liked it was like, you know, this this cook uh, watching a staff officer doing an inspection of his field kitchen and being quite sardonic about it. So, well, that was quite funny. Oh, thank you. I, I was trying to um, yeah channel my oh and yeah and, and also the story about the young uh, the young subaltern going to quartermaster stores. I haven't read that one. Oh, oh, you've got to. I thought I got some really good um, digs at at bin rats and dealing dealing with military bureaucracy. So, yeah, yeah. The uh, the choir should also then have to go to uh, uh, the six compound and uh, uh, try to get uh, login for the the choir mainframe. <laughs> obligatory professional development course well yeah well yeah and and you know because when i was when i was sort of sniffing around choir fandom um one fellow a few years back he did like he kit bashed like this neat little space explorer vehicle on wheels mm-hmm. and had a choir in a spacesuit and yeah it was like choirs in space and you know I haven't yet broached the thing that, that I think the aliens from fifth element, you know, the mm-hmm. ones who show up to make everything work. Yeah. Um, I think they might be choir in encounter suits because they're, they've got the hunch and the, the nose. Right. Right. Am I right? I, I, you've got something there. I think for sure. I think, I think it's it. That idea has got legs. So you, you need to adopt a somewhat crazed expression and do a YouTube video where where you're presenting that as a conspiracy theory. Oh, with yeah, lots of things on the wall and you pick uh-huh. the string. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I had a thought while you were talking about um, anteaters and, and mm-hmm. stuff. So um, we, I mentioned C.S. Lewis earlier as you're talking about First World War authors. And, and, and writing, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I, I'm, I'm rereading uh, and, and absolutely – enchanted by is I'm reading the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh. And because okay. we're, we're doing a study in uh, in my parish right now. So uh, we did we just did just before the summer we did um, Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe and a lot of them also read uh, the magician's nephew. And then we're going to re- return and read um, um, Horse and his boy next. So mm-hmm. 
in Narnia, there's always a battle, right? Like a lot of the Narnia books. And then, of course, the last battle is the is the best battle scene at the very end. But there's there's battles in, um, I mean, there's the battle against the, the White Witch in Lion, the Witch, and Order. Why has nobody ever made a line of miniatures about that? Here's a question for the hobby. Is there, like, there are countless... Lord of the Rings inspired miniatures, right? Mm-hmm. Why did why has nobody touched um, uh, Narnia? It seems to me it would be a fantastic line of figures. Well, there's certainly figures you could, you know. I mean, there's the um, who are the who are the people that do the like the Ottermans and the uh, Badgers and oh yeah, like the alternative, not alternative armies. Is that alternative armies? It's okay. quite a range now. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's things you could, of course, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the the, you know, on the on the army of the good guys, right? You know, it's it just forest creatures, right? So yeah, you know, forest creatures, stags, and, creatures. You know, like you know, get a herd of boar in there. So it's it's all just, you know, you go you get your schleich plastic animals and yeah, yeah. maybe a fawn and and and. Yeah, well, it would be a great dragon rampant uh, uh, project, I think, to do. Uh, oh, there you go. Bad armies in Narnia. Yeah, you just have to have a queen and a sled. Yeah, yeah. And then I was just thinking, like, if you wanted to update it, you could do Narnia armies in the First World War. You know, like you could have beavers and little tin hats and versus I don't know wolves and pickle hobs and stuff. Like it would be. Anyway, if anybody wants to run with that idea, it's yours. Go for it. <laughs> Would you back that Kickstarter? Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a Kickstarter in it somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Not sure it'd quite work. I just, don't think, I just don't think Narnia has the, um, the in our hobby, and I could be wrong, I just don't think it commands the same level of literacy that Tolkien does. So, Yeah, and I, and I think I think um narnia is perceived as a kid's book yes yeah whereas you know um middle earth is serious yes adult yeah and even you know like you 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 run into more people setting their games and say hyboria with the Mm -hmm. you know conan stories yeah um you know you get people writing and you know setting their games in, in barsoom yeah but bloody hard to find figures for it but yes. you know black hat has them in 15 mm-hmm. trying to find them in 28 oh be prepared to pay a small fortune mm-hmm. so i mean those four those four-armed green martians they're huge they're expensive <laughs> so well, and, and the other problem with narnia is that the the good character aslan the lion is essentially invincible right he's like yeah and he's and he's a lion. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not like you got this cool, you know, lion in a suit of armor with a sword. It's just he's a lion. It's just a lion. He just walks around and bats people with his giant paws. Yeah. yeah it's just, I'm I'm Aslan, man. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> All right. Back okay. from the dead and pissed. Back from the dead. Yeah, and pissed. Yeah. I'm I'm here to I'm here to drink milk and kick ass. I'm all out of milk. <laughs> that reminds me. There's 
Speaking of back from the dead, there's a guy on Twitter called Chris Sams. He's he's an interesting guy. He's a naval historian. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was uh, he's also a kind of perplexed father of two tweens. And he, mm-hmm. he was talking about how he uh, he showed them Valkyrie, uh, you know, the movie about the, the plot to assassinate Hitler with Tom Cruise. Right, right, right. And he said it was going fine until uh, the end of the movie when all the good characters are killed. And their their kids were, uh, he said, you know, the kids were quite upset about this. And he said, uh, like, so then one of them said, so is there like a sequel? <laughs> I feel like saying, yeah, just tell them Valkyrie Endgame. <laughs> that would yeah. be. What's what's the what's the movie with with yeah what, that's always that's always dubbed over with other things? It's got Hitler in a bunker in the last day. Oh, Downfall, yeah, yeah. Downfall, yeah. It's yeah, it's called Downfall. That's that's the sequel to Valkyrie. Yeah, right. It stars the Russian army. You know? The Valkyrie Endgame, where they all come back from the dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, I know, like, yeah, trying to trying to explain some of this to, to, to people, it's just so, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's called history. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, kind of nice they didn't change that, you mm-hmm. know, and have Tom Cruise get away or. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's probably the only movie where Tom Cruise actually dies like, that I can think of, really. Yeah. yeah. So, um you have talked about cars as your project. Um, yes. I have not done uh, a lot, but I think pretty much everything I've bought and uh, painted in the last year has been uh, 18th century. So I, I have three armies on the go. I have they, my oldest two armies are the Russians and the Ottomans. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to just maybe go on a little segue about scales for a second, because for those of you who are listening to the podcast, this will make absolutely no um, sense. But these okay, are, so you're, hold, you're holding up some lovely what mini figs from the yeah, yeah, these are old mini figs. Like these are true twenty fives, mm-hmm. and uh, I was given gifted them by a, a guy called Mark Chappelle, who's a Canadian war gamer. I think he's yes. a capital old. fellow. Yeah, nice guy. And I haven't seen Mark in a long time, but uh, uh, he gave me these and. Um, I decided, uh, well, they were all based for uh, WRG7, so they were all in little strips and fours mm. and, and ones. And I, I, over the years, I've simplified my basing now, so they're all by, they're all on like uh, 40 by 40 squares. And for World War, or sorry, for the Civil War, I put four to a base, but for the 18th century, I like six to a base, mm-hmm. just because it looks and feels more... You get six to a base and a 40 mil frontage? Wow. Or was it 40? Um, maybe it's 60. Must be 60. Yeah, maybe it's 60. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, and then compare those guys. I've uh, just also finished a, a unit of uh, assault group Janissaries, which are nice, beautiful oh, figures. Oh, look at the plumes on those hats. They oh, have, my goodness. They, they, are, have, they are fabulous. They have kick-ass hats. But here's the thing about scale. They are going to win on RuPaul's Drag Race. They, yeah, they are. They're drag queen janissaries. So you know what? I'm just doing a shitty job of trying to hold these up to the camera. But my point is that they are uh, probably a head and shoulder taller than the minifigs. Really? Here's, here's my hot take tonight, folks. I don't think it matters. I just paint whatever figures you like. Put them on the table. If they're 25, 28, 29, it doesn't matter. Uh, quote Ken Riley. Don't fuck about. Just paint it. 
That's right. So all my mini, exactly. Way to go. So all my minifigs Janissaries are in one unit. Yeah. Um, all my assault group Janissaries are in another unit, obviously. Yeah. I mean, and, look, at my, look at my Bavarians, right? Yeah. I've yeah. got, you know, most of it is hat, 20, mm -hmm. the, the hard plastic 28 mil, which yeah. do scale nicely with the Perrys. Mm -hmm. And I've got some Perrys. And I've got some front rank Jaegers or yeah. Schutzen. Yeah. You know, and and yeah, I've got front rank artillery who are a little bulkier, and I've got parry artillery, and I've got a, a, a front rank brigade commander who's, you know, he looks fucking huge. Um, yeah. And then I, I kit bashed a, a um, Bavarian, uh, or a, a, I kit bashed another brigade commander out of, out of some hat stuff, because the guys at hat were really nice, and they sent me a broken sprue of French uh, light infantry, mm -hmm. hoping I would, you know, eh, here you go, temp you know, tempt the, the war gamer. I was like, oh, there's a commander on a horse. I can cut his head off and give him a, a Ruppenhelm. Um, and, you know, like, you hold them together. Like, it's interesting how, like, you have them sort of a little bit apart. And it's like, ooh, he's huge. He's tiny. You hold them together. It's like, oh, they aren't that much further apart. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just the head that, you know, some of the features on the on the front rank are a little more exaggerated. You know, heads a little bigger, helmets bigger, um, or seams bigger, thicker. Right. Uh, yeah, and and it's like yeah, and it and then when you have them on the table, and this brigade is there, and that brigade is there, it's like who cares? Yeah, I'm not going to put them in the same units. Um, you know, like my my hat skirmishers, I can put three to a base. Front rank, eh, I can only put two to a base without them looking stupid and not skirmishy. But I don't know, they all work. Yeah. They all they all work fine together. And last time I had my Bavarians out, I went, I, were you running the Russians? Or was it Patrick? No, I was. You, you kicked my ass. And yeah, last time I had them out, it's like the 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 unit of the match were the cheap ass um hat. Uh, skirmishers. Yeah, but you had a unit that was, I think they were grenadiers, but they were getting off two volleys a turn with your use of cards. And they absolutely shredded me. Like, it was... Yeah, really I had a good run of command cards, and I get the extra volleys. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. It's 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 what I do in sharp practice. What you do, it's you are a master of that. So, here's my point, though, I guess... I, suck at, I suck at General Darmy, though. Yeah, well, yeah, we haven't played enough. So here's my point about um, figures. Uh, if you're starting up an army uh, as a as a as a project and you want to buy a whole army all at one go, then of course you're going to buy them from one manufacturer. You know, if you can, if you if can, that manufacturer has everything you want. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but I think a lot of people, particularly those of us who have gray hair, uh, or in your case, very little hair. Um, sorry, that was gratuitous. Um, we're going to collect armies over decades, right? Yeah. So to use a fancy term, your army is going to be diachronic. It's going to span a long period of time. So you're going to have $10 academic words. Exactly. Yeah. I have a diachronic. I'm going to freaking use it. Um, so you're going to have like my, my Ottomans have minifigs, assault group, my Russians have Falcon figures, they have front rank figures. Uh, in the last five years, I've settled on Foundry. I love the Foundry line. Mm -hmm. But uh, the other day, oh, I'm going to, this is a pet peeve of mine, by the way, uh, UPS customs fees. Um, 
I found a company called Warfare Miniatures because I was doing a Google search for Ottoman flags. Mm-hmm. And I found this company that does a line of 28 millimeter horse and musket Ottomans, which are not that, you know, there's not that many of them. So I bought a bunch of figures on spec. The figures came just as I was away for almost three weeks. So I came back and found um, my stepson had dutifully collected the three UPS notices that were left on the front door, little adhesive back labels, put them with all our mail. Uh, So basically it was like, yeah, so sad. We came three times. Um, We're not going to come again. And uh, I got a a notice saying I I will duty. So I paid the duty online on the UPS website, but uh, now they're telling me that uh, the, the amount was different. Like I paid 58 bucks because that's what the online portal told me I had to pay. And now they're telling me it's actually $62. So will I ever get my figures? I don't know. I'll probably pay another $4, but I'm going to have to call. You got to go down to the UPS, your local UPS store and collect them. Well, I guess so. Yeah. But you know, it's funny. I've ordered stuff by post from the U S or stuff from Britain. I almost by post quite regularly, almost never get charged. So Something about you ordering UPS from the States seems to do it. Yeah. And it, it's very, um, like I know there, there are people that they will, especially in the UK, it seems they will, you know, research like, who do you ship by? Mm-hmm. Oh, you ship by these guys. I hate them. They're crappy. I won't, I'm sorry. I won't order from you unless I can pick it up at a show, mm-hmm. you know, which is like, hmm, that's not alarming. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so far I've been lucky. Never had a problem with her Majesty, His Majesty's Royal Mail. I have to say that. Yeah. Well, you know, now that I've got all my choir done, and you know, like I have to bang my own drum and toot my horn because oh. you know, I ordered these guys like two months ago. They arrived at the just after the July first long weekend, and I've got them all done within a month. That's all primed, everybody painted and based. It's amazing. I am so proud of myself. I don't work that way. Well, you know, I keep getting distracted by people, you know, here, here's an army of Austrians. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I think in, while waiting for uh, War Games Atlantic and Zombie Smith to release the plastic quar, which started all this, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go work on some dwarves that I ordered back in January, and then they got hung up by that Russian cyber. You remember the Russian cyber attack? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my I ordered I ordered some extra figures from Conqueror models to right. flesh out my dwarves because my dwarves needed some archers, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they had just they had just filled the order and put them in the post office, and then the whole Royal Mail got international postage got shut down by this cyber attack. Oh, I didn't. Re- I, and okay, they got, they got hung up for like a month. Oh, huh. okay. Yeah, Russians. <laughs> I know, and so they. They arrived, and by that time, I was busy painting Austrians, I think, and um, mm. you know, all excited about the 1899 campaign. So they just kind of got, got, you know, oh, these are nice, you know, set aside. So I think I'm going to get back to them, at least paint a few up. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, there's the Napoleonics is always there to take up the slack, isn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, like, like, it just seems that to every war gamer, you try to avoid Napoleonics and eventually you round the corner and you 
bump into the short little guy in the great coat with the with the bike horn hat saying, here I am. Right. Right. So are you going to go see the movie when it comes up? The, uh... You know, I, I, I think Scott and I should make it a date night. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, sure I'm sure he'd like to go see it. Although him coming up to Stratford to pick me up, then go to the, yeah, you know, it might be weird. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would definitely like to see it. And I think I'd like to see it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, people have been like just going nuts. And it's like, God, it's just a movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, like it's, yeah, they're going to get shit wrong. Yeah. yeah. Going out, getting all upset about, oh my God, you know, the, the pyramids and blah, blah. It's like, it's called the Battle of the Pyramids for a reason. Yeah. Like, okay, they weren't in the shadow of the pyramids, but I'm pretty sure they could see them on the horizon. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, I know there's probably somebody gonna write into the comments right now. No, they couldn't. They're on the curvature of the earth. Like, oh, whatever. Like, um, yeah. Like it, it it's it it as long as they get the broad strokes right, yeah, make it a good story. Yeah. Um, you know, if they don't if they don't take as many liberties with history as say Braveheart, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I will be happy. And I, you know, actually, I don't mind Braveheart. I rate it like a four and a half mm-hmm. on my one to five scale. Like I will happily rewatch it. I've I've got it on DVD and I've I've rewatched it once or once in a while. Because hmm. it, it, it's it's just a fun story, and I go, yeah, I just kind of check my brain, and yeah, everything historically is wrong, <laughs> except you know they get they get the fact that there is a William Wallace right, and it's between Scotland and England. That's about it, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's better than it's better than three hundred. Yes, well, pretty much anything would be. Yeah, yeah. you know, three hundred gets bad after the credits start. Mm-hmm. Um. So, and, you know, and actually, uh, you know, and there aren't a lot of Napoleonic movies out there. No. You've got Master and Commander. You've got Waterloo. Mm-hmm. You've got the Duelists. Yep. You've got the Sharp series. Uh, like, what else is there? Well, a bunch of Russian films that, uh, and then a bunch of a bunch of versions of War and Peace that have been done over the years. Oh, yes, yes. A couple of versions of War and Peace, yeah. um, which yeah. aren't bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and a bunch of Russian movies, which... You know, if you're lucky, you can find it with subtitles on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I saw The Duelists about a month ago. You know, that's a film I've never actually seen. I, I feel like I, I I owe it to myself to see it. Yeah, um, Dave Hoyt uh, from up Eastern Ontario way, he saw that I'd never seen it. I'd mentioned on on Twitter. Or yep. sorry, the social media app formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, what do we um, call it now? Do we call it X or do we call it... I don't know. I call it the social media app. I'm probably going to bail on soon because yeah, it's pissing me off. Yeah. But anyway, um, uh, he sent me a message saying, Hey, here's the link to my Dropbox. I've put the do lists up for you because it's too big a file to email, but here Aww. you go. And so, yeah, one time I, I was able to, I was doing something brainless down here. Cause like, I've got to watch it on the computer down here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, trying to paint or anything, it's not really work. But mm-hmm. I was, I know, I think I was like basing or something fairly brainless where I could watch the movie. And uh, yeah, so I finally, I finally watched The Duelists. It's, it's a four, three and a half to four. Is it, is it a Ridley Scott film? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Like it's very stylish. 
Mm -hmm. Um, The costuming production values are great. Mm -hmm. Uh, The story is kind of meandering. I mean, you're familiar with the plot, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, and then, but, but it's like, you know, they'll leap over years of history until these guys meet each other again. Mm-hmm. Right, like you know, so the massive sweep of the Napoleonic Wars kind of happens all off stage, and you're like, "What?" Mm. You know, and then we have these guys in pretty Hazar uniforms, like fighting a duel, um, and That's- it's kind of like, oh, okay, like I don't know why people go, "Oh my God, this is the best thing ever." And it's like because you're that desperate for a movie with Hazars in it. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um. Cause yeah, it's. I know it was, it was okay. You know, if I if if I saw it on Amazon or whatever, I'd I'd say yeah, cool, let's watch it. Um. But it's not like I've got to, you know, go to Boots and Saddles in the state. Is it Boots and Saddles? The guy that carries it. The guy. The guy that goes to like Historicon and fall in, and he carries all the war movies and stuff like mm. that. He, like he'll, he'll bring in stuff from Europe. Mm. You know, so if you want, you, if you want those really cool, high production value, um, you know, Czech medieval epics, mm. he has them. Mm. You know, so like yeah, if you want to see a Hussite Wagenberg being attacked by Imperial knights with totally accurate armor and weapons and wagons and flags and everything. Wow. Wow. That's the, those things are, I don't know how they are for plot and acting, but like for visuals, Oh my God, they're great. I've seen, like I've seen some scenes on YouTube and stuff. It's like, wow. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother like writing him to, to get a DVD of the duelist. Cause it's like, I've seen it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it, it seems to me that going back to the Napoleon film, I mean, I, I thought Joachim Phoenix was a really interesting choice for Napoleon and and uh, probably the most interesting choice since Rod Steiger. Um, so I'll watch it. I, I, Rod Steiger will always be Napoleon to me. I'm sorry. He will always be. Um, I, I noticed on Twitter there was, sorry, whatever, former Twitter, <laughs> there's a lot of argument about it because I think there's a, a fairly vocal group on Twitter who who are will bend over backwards to persuade you that Napoleon was a very bad man and should never be glorified. And um, uh, I think there was, you know, there were some complaints about Napoleon being too, um, too heroic or too grandiose or whatever, but. uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, the more I've read, you know, like certainly I just, I just finished, Scott just loaned me basically it's volume four of John Gill's Thunder in the Danube trilogy. Mm. Yes. It's, yeah. uh, the Battle of Zname. Name. Zname. Zname. Z-N-A-I-M. Yeah. You know, the last battle of the 1809 campaign that mm. ended with, you know, adjutants running between saying, oh, cease fire, stop. <laughs> um, and yeah, so of course it analyzes Napoleon and his strategies and everything, and how even by 1809 he's kind of um, losing some of his edge. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, like like he was he was very disappointed by the Battle of Wagram. You know, it was like all that effort, you know, and he did he did he did an assault river crossing. <laughs> like, 
Mm-hmm. You know, he pulled off an operation that, you know, World War II armies would have gone, whoa, okay, we need a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to take a lot of casualties. Yeah, the Ukrainians are getting like maybe platoons across the Dnieper on fast boats at any given time right now. So, yeah. 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 Like, you know, so Napoleon pulls off an assault river crossing yeah. in a thunderstorm, has this massive two day battle. Mm-hmm. And, and he's looking for this, you know, crushing victory like Friedland or Austerlitz, and it doesn't happen. Charles, you know, for all the all the shade thrown at the Archduke Charles, he pulled his ass out of the fire. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I like I I finished reading that book and I have a lot of respect for Napoleon and a lot of respect for Archduke Charles. Um you know, and and Napoleon was just being very kind of like, right? Let's you know this 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 war in Austria is a is a it's a nuisance. I got to get back to to Spain, mm-hmm. and you know, let's just settle this. And you know, so he you know he made some cons- you know he 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 kind of scared the crap out of the 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 Austrian emperor France um, by you know basically threatening to you know kick him off his throne and dismember the Austro-Hungarian Empire and you know. Um, and so he never really wanted to do that because he knew that piss off, piss off Russia and get Prussia very alarmed. And so, but he just kind of uses a threat and then mm-hmm. when he gave more reasonable terms that, okay, yeah, we'll sign those. Um, but yeah, he was like, he was getting, you know, he's getting older and he was, he, he wasn't the young vigorous guy that, you know, had won four years ago and yeah yeah but yeah yeah, he's still very inspirational you know you know you'd you'd listen to the way he you know you read about the way he dealt with the troops and the way he yeah i mean was it was he a bad man uh absolutely i guess by you know any contemporary standard was he a legendary man or was he somebody that would probably have inspired those around him. I think, yeah. Like, like what? I mean, okay. Like, was he a bad man? I guess we got to come back to motives, right? Right. Um, yeah. He, he certainly wanted to, you know, secure his position, mm-hmm. secure his dynasty. Um, God knows he shouldn't have put his family on so many thrones because mm-hmm. that just made things worse. Right. But, you know, he did like, I mean, he he did he he did try to make France a better place for French people. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, he was going to make France better at the expense of the Germans. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> um, but you know, the Code Napoleon, like some of his bureaucratic reforms and stuff, were were like, hell, he is better than the Bourbons. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think three raccoons in a trench coat would have been better than the bourbons. <laughs> Probably. Um, it would not hard to be better than Louis the Ninth or Louis the Eighteenth or Nineteenth yeah. or whoever it was that came back. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if he's a if he's a bad man. Mm-hmm. I certain I certainly think because because they keep. I'm trying to remember why he overthrew the the directory. Well, it was was he worried about getting getting sent to the guillotine? Um, I, uh, that's a good question. I I, uh, I think a lot of that stopped after Robespierre. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the guillotine was used much less frequently after the, the reign of terror ended. Um, but I think, you know, I, I, I think Napoleon sort of saw um, the, the inefficiencies of, of the directorate and thought he could have probably done a lot better, but, and he was pretty full of himself by then, but I don't know. I'm not an expert on the, I'm not an expert on the period. Um, yeah. It's one of those things where I think for the war gamer, um, if you are um, inclined to always, you know, play the guys in the red coats, then go for it. You know, um, there's lots of people on Twitter who seem to be very unhappy unless they have the 95th rifles and uh, the sharp figure painted and in their army. And, you know, that's fine. Some of us, uh, I, I like to joke with our friend Conrad Kinch that if you give me a chance to play, uh, play the French, I will, because I'm a Bonapartist at heart, I guess, just mostly because I like to bother English people. <laughs> and there you go, right? It's... Uh, uh, you know, and I, I, I like the Germans. Yeah. I, well, and you got, like, it, you know, I just seem to gravitate towards German speaking armies. I, you got, Austrian, you got some, yeah, you got some ethnicity there, right? So, yeah. Um, Bavarians, I know they're just, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're kind of in the middle and they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're not, they're not powerhouses, but you know, the Austrians are nice and, you know, slow and steady. And the Bavarians are always underrated. Yeah. You know, like I, I got a set of rules and I always check, okay, in their army lists, how do they rate the Bavarians? It's like, oh, second rate line. Well, fuck you. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're going to throw, we're gonna throw these rules out because, you know, you're bullshit. Well, it's like getting a Canadian war gamer to uh, accept, a, you know, mediocre troop ratings for the Canadians in Normandy, right? Well, yeah, that would probably uh, get most of us pretty pissed off. Well, and that's where I think, um, was, what game was it where they had um, sort of experience, they had like training and, you know, technical skills separate from like um, morale and motivation. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, the Canadians in Normandy were like, um, really well-trained green, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, like, you know, you're, 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 you know, I guess 12th SS would be fanatical crap. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause they're like, their field craft and small unit tactics were terrible according to allied intelligence assessments. Well, there's a famous uh, quote, and I actually have it right in front of me, from a, a guy called Colonel Freddie Clifford, who was an artillery officer in Normandy. He said, the Germans thought we were Russians. They did dumb things, and we killed those bastards in large numbers. So, because they just sort of, you know, they uh, uh, their counterattacks were very predictable. The Canadian artillery got very good at zeroing in on them. Anyway, um, I, that reminds me, we were going to have a conversation with looking ahead to, and I'm looking ahead now to future episodes. We were going to have a conversation with our Irish friend, Conrad Kinch, about national characteristics. So, we mm -hmm. well, and, and that's, yeah, like getting back to, you know, yeah, like the friend or the Bavarians. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, well, you know, when? You know, because again, that's the thing, like, you know, we get these, these uh, Napoleonic rules where it's like, here's the list for, you know, 1805 to 1815. Right. It's like, no. 
French army is vastly different, 1805 and 1806 versus 1809 versus 1812, 1813, 14, 15, right? Mm-hmm. And the Bavarians were different, right? Going at the start of the, um, you know, 1809, very motivated. 1812, super good army, as good as the French, mm-hmm. right? I would say even in 1809, they're as good as the French. Um, yeah, 1813, they're hurting because they're all dead and they're dead on the Russian steps along yeah. with all the French. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they're, 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 you know, how are the French still going to be like great when they're all freaking dead? Well, it would be like comparing um, the Canadian First Division that went into Sicily, uh, highly trained, uh, physically fit. Um, you know, uh, peak physical condition with Missing a bunch of trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the, uh, a Canadian division or a Canadian battalion in the Scheldt, right. In the winter of 44, 45, where yeah. they're, they're starting to put cooks and clerks into the line because they don't have enough replacements. Everybody's tired and cold and fed right. up. Right? Yeah. And they're down to like, you know, um, companies basically acting as battalions. Right. So every army is going to be, um, I'm going to use my word diachronic again, right? You got to look across time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't just say, you know, uh, this unit is always, this nationality is always going to be elite or is always going to be. Yeah. And that's trouble with, you know, national characteristics where it's like, yeah, you always get plus one for shooting if you're British. Yeah. And you get plus one for French if you're attacking in column. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we always like to tinker, right? So let's just stay with the Canadians for a minute. I just happened to get, uh, I subscribed to this magazine called C3I, which oh, is, a, it's a board game uh, magazine. And uh, so, um, but there's an article at the end by a Canadian guy called Rob Botos. I've never heard of Rob Botos, but uh, he um, has read uh, a bunch of books about uh, the Canadians in Normandy, including... Mark Milner's book, Stopping the Panzers. Okay. And I think we talked about that the last time we were on. It's come up a few times in the podcast. Yeah. So he's talking about a a game designed by um, uh, um, Mark uh, Simich, I believe, uh, called um, uh, Normandy 44, which is uh, an operational uh, board game. Units are, um, you know, battalions or, or brigades. Mm-hmm. And he suggests that uh, the game undervalues the role of um, third division, which was third Canadian division, which was not designed to um, take con, as everybody says, but was actually designed to be the, the the concrete wall against which the German Panzer counterattacks would break. And uh, we've talked before about how they were, you know, up armed with extra anti anti tank and tank destroyers and stuff like that. Yeah. So he looks, goes through the rules and says, um, you know, the, the Canadians should be able to, should be better on defense because that's what they train for. They're, um, um, they should have these uh, things called brigade fortresses, which they should uh, declare. Neat idea. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, there's somebody who's looking at a game and saying, well, you know, from my point of view as nationality X or Y, knowing a little bit about history, um, I'd like to tweak the game. I think we do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that was profound. Um, 
I was just going to say a few things about Ireland very quickly. Uh, we were talking about Conrad Kinch. I had a chance to meet him. Uh, second time I've met him and his delightful children. Absolutely lovely guy. Um, I The highlight of our trip with Conrad was uh, getting his services as a battlefield guide for better part of a day over the Battle of the Boyne. Mm -hmm. I have to say... Irish history, like Scottish history, is, um, I wouldn't want to say incomprehensible, but there's large parts of it that I struggle to understand. Um, like, uh, there were Stuarts and there were there were Protestants. I always thought the Stuarts came over to Scotland and there was the Battle of, what was it, Culloden, right? Which was the end of the... Bonnie the Prince Charlie and the, the rising of 45. Yeah. But then, you know, Bonnie Prince Charlie was, I think, the, the son of James II, the steward, who decided to have a go um, by uh, uh, the English by attacking through Ireland. Anyway, it's all very confusing. Mm. And we uh, we walked over. Thanks for great songs. It does, absolutely. But I have to say, uh, at the end of the day, um, I did learn a little bit more about, um, you know, the technology of the time. So I... I I don't know about you, but I didn't know a lot about 17th century warfare. So no. um, you had uh, some formations like uh, William's uh, Dutch Guards, which had uh, socket bayonets. So they had um, uh, flintlocks with uh, so they could stick a bayonet in the in the muzzle of the. Uh, and they were they were that was probably the the most advanced military technology on the battlefield. But you had some formations that were using uh, match locks, which would have been probably 100-year-old technology by then. Yeah. And you had some formations that were using pikes. Um, you had artillery that was basically not maneuverable on the battlefield. So, you know, you, you, you position your battery and that's it for the, for the battle because they're being dragged by massive oxen team because the carriages are so huge. Right. And the barrels. And a farmer with his oxen is, has buggered off. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, everybody's wearing floppy hats and they've got big wigs and the coats are, are big and they've got big cuffs and it it kind of looks really cool. Like from an aesthetic point of view, I could see I could see somebody getting into uh, 17th century warfare. And I know people like uh, Sidney Roundwood, you know, with his Larden campaigns have been. Um, yeah, I, I have sometimes been been tempted to like just a little bit later. Yeah. Um, you know, like war Spanish succession. Mm -hmm. You know, where you still got the wigs and the big cuffs and long coats and, you know, Louis the Fourteenth kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, some great paintings and etchings from that period. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it's, you know, it, it does have an aesthetic appeal. I can see why people would do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so talking on... on um, on threads today i said to enter in, to try and get a conversation going uh threads is the the social media app that's trying to take over from the app formerly known as twitter right uh and so far i'm finding it pretty user-friendly you got i mean yes you join in and it just kind of gives you a lot of stuff a whole pile of stuff that we think you'd like and you have to ruthlessly block anything you're not interested in right mm. so you don't like sports stuff coming down it's like block 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 right and you just start looking for people you're interested in and you follow them and mm -hmm. there's you know you click on the little threads icon at the top and it gives you the you know for you and following 
Um, and you just, I just stand the following tab. So the people I'm following, that's what I see. And I just follow war gamers and, uh, yeah, but yeah, so I started a conversation. So, you know, what periods, and for me, for me, it's pike. for me, it's like Renaissance pike and shot, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't play or I would like, I'd play it. Um, but I wouldn't build it just with any other period. I'd be, yeah, yeah I could probably talk into building that. Um, yeah. but Pike and shot, like it's just like make up your mind. Are you pike or are you shot? Like, you know, so that's why I, I just kind of go, you know, another add on another 60 years and go like more Spanish succession where you've got like more, you know, muskets, fewer pikes. Yeah, yeah. That's me. Or go back a hundred years and just have pikemen. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing that I, I was interested about the blind was it seemed to me. It's a, one of those kind of periods where, you know, is it a 30 years war kind of battle um, where you've got, you know, blocks of pike and you've got musketeers and you've got cavalry, you've got, you know, very fixed artillery, or is it a, is it a horse and musket? Like, you know, probably more 30 years war, really. I mean, that's probably what these guys were referencing. It seemed that way to me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, quite fascinating. There were the guys who do the uh, Anything But a One podcast out of Texas. We had one of them on our Napoleonics panel last year. Um, they, did, they did a piece recently about uh, if you wanted to, like they, they, they do this series every now and then called So You Want to Play Napoleonics or You Want to Play World War One, right? So they'll take a period and then they'll tell you, you know, what are the scales? What are the figures? What kind of rules? What are the pros and cons? How many figures do you need for a good game? And, and they did a piece on um, horse and musket that was, or sorry, on, on pike and shot that was inspired by the, the Warlord release, right? So Warlords come out with this, their kind of trademark 13 mil scale or whatever the heck it is. Yeah, the epic, epic scale. Epic scale, that's pike it. Pike and yeah. shot, yeah. Yeah. They're kind of moving through all their all their big rule books doing yeah. epic scale. Yeah. Um so I wonder when they'll do epic scale Hail Caesar. Yeah. Sorry, I'm starting to fade. But um yeah, I, I thought I listened to the podcast because you know I needed something to listen to for a long drive. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I don't think I I don't see that I don't see myself doing that because I'm you know. Like I don't have your ability to say I'm going to bang out one or a new army in a month or two months. Like I'm, like I have my lifetime seven years war project here, and <laughs> no, that's I have a few other lifetime projects. You know, like the and and yeah, like for me, like my 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 seven years war stuff or war of Austrian succession stuff kind of morphs between. Which I know if you get really if you really deep dive, there are differences mm-hmm. between you know both the Prussians and the Austrians in both wars. Um, but I use the same figures for both. Don't judge me. Um, you know, so that, that kind of, even even though they're not quite the same aesthetic as like War of Spanish Succession, mm-hmm. I still got my tricorn and lacy cuffs and wigs fix, you know, so yeah, yeah. I have no need to to, to do War of Spanish Succession or an imagination set in, the, set in that era, which you know, could be fun. So we're both yawning, so we should probably wrap yeah, this up. It's, it's, it's for, for those of us that have to get up and go to work in the morning, it's it's hitting my bedtime, man. 
I wanted to ask you very quickly if, if you're tracking, you mentioned Imaginations, are you tracking uh, Henry Hyde's new book? No. 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 Um, part of me, part of me is kind of annoyed because I think it's the book I was hoping I was going to get when I bought War Games campaigns. Mm -hmm. Um. I mean, War Games campaigns, it was a very hefty read. It took me a long time to finish it because, of course, it's so big, I couldn't just take it in my lunch bag mm -hmm. and read it at, read it at break time. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm reading a page before I fall asleep, right? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and and it's, it's chock-a-block of good ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think I was kind of hoping for maybe something a little more complete, you know, where there'd be sort of a, hey, here's a, you know, campaign system yeah um i was kind of hoping for that and doesn't quite well actually he does have some he does have some rules in there um then yeah you know like when i gotta make my own map oh my god you know mm -hmm. first row problems <laughs> but yeah i know and and part of me says yeah campaign would be really cool it's like ah time and commitment from people and yeah you know like getting together with people to play a game is very problematic because you all live in like chatham or barry or narnia or some shit like that what would i have to do like climb through the fucking wardrobe to find you to get to a game jeez yeah, I, I need to find that wardrobe <laughs> yeah i mean you know so so i'm getting my campaign it's like playing wendy's online games and i really should brush up before this this Gettysburg campaign starts for Brian yes yeah we're both in uh since we did a thing on um free spills online free spills in our last episode you and I are both in another in two more and mm -hmm. we're not going to say anymore because we can't so I thought well, I think well, we're on the same army in in the Gettysburg aren't we well with Gettysburg we are I think yeah we're both yeah core commanders so yeah well and you know who I am because Wendy spilled the beans and they it you know for 1809 yeah, I'm not going to say more about that. Uh, don't confirm anything. Um, well, I know you're an Austrian. Yes, I am an Austrian. That's true. <laughs> so before we wrap up, uh, let's just uh, talk a little bit about what's ahead for us. So um, what are you looking forward to in the early fall? Well, in early fall, um, I'm going to keep chipping down the lead pile while I wait for the plastic quarry to come out. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be buying more quar. Um, and yeah, hopefully be painting dwarves in quar mm -hmm. um, and building trenches for the quar because, you know, since World War One, and part of, part of my whole reason for this is I kind of want to scratch my World War One itch. Right. Um, you know, so I'm, I, I want to have like, you know, trench raiders and then bomber sections and rifle grenades and, you know, kind of, kind of play with that whole different way of fighting, yeah. um, which you needed to do with trenches and shock raiders and stuff all over the place. So, um, yeah, I need to make, I need to make a bunch of terrain for them. Um, yeah. And well, you know, of course, cadets will be ramping back up and yeah. that will suddenly eat my time. Yes, I should probably try to log into to CCO net and find out that they need to change my password again <laughs> and look at all the emails that have wandered into my email box over the summer. 
Yeah. You know, I, I would, yes, I, I would like to, I would like to write a, oh, I should, I should put a, I, I should do some choir fan fiction where it's like, you know, in digital age, a choir officer. Yeah. Trying to log into, you know, the defense net computer system to, yeah. to do like a staff course or whatever. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe the ghost of a 19th century choir officer could be laughing at him or something. Yes. Yeah. Well, that sounds fun. Um, and there's uh, the thing in uh, Chatham coming up in, is it late September or early October? Uh, yes. Let me get my, where is my, phone? Where, where is my phone? I can get you the dates for okay. things because there are a couple of, yes, there are a couple of things. Right. Um, we have Kegs Con in Chatham. Kegs Con, yeah. Which is waking up my waking up my pocket computer. What did we do? What did we do before smartphones? Oh my god! I, I just smart. once I, once I learned to work my calendar app, it's like just a lifesaver. Um, yeah, KegsCon is the twenty third of September. Okay. Um, in Chatham. Well, it's just a one day of that, I think. Right. Yeah. I can't, it's not going to be at the retro suites this year, unfortunately, because it got booked before they could get in there. Mm -hmm. So Elizabeth said, well, I'm not going then. Like, oh, bummer. And um, in October, on October 28th, there is Larde in Hamilton. Yes, yes. And then there is also in Kitchener a uh, War, Warhammer 40K, and I think they're doing something else too, event called Battle for Breath, um, which is a fundraiser for cystic fibrosis research. Very cool. So if you're in the Kitchener area and you don't want to go to Hamilton and you want to play in a 40K tournament, look for Battle for Breath. Um, yeah, so it, it's a fun time. So. Cool. Uh, that's that's all I got. Okay. Well, I don't have uh, I don't have any other events to talk about myself. My life gets very busy when uh, uh, the parish resumes. Churches are like universities; they get busy in the fall. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm hoping that you and I can get together for a thundering dice at some point. That would be fun. Uh, and speak. You were talking about uh, trenches and, and choir. It just so happens that uh, the other day I picked up this game called The Great War. It is a card game. Fast. One fast hour playing. Fast playing. You can play the whole First World War in uh, 16 to 90 minutes. And it's rated. The whole, the whole war. And it's low complexity. The whole oh. World War One, man. So I will have a report on this game uh, next time we get together. We'll have a guest the next time we get together. I'll probably talk more about um, my trip to Ireland and whether the Irish Civil War should be uh, war gamed. Um, urban I'm, sure I'm sure I've seen people do it in many oh, that would be a, That would be a good thing to talk to our friend uh, uh, Conrad about. So this brings us to the end of, I guess, what we're going to call episode 25. I noticed we were at 9.4, we're um, just under, I think, 10,000 downloads. Wow. So it's, is it 10,000? Yeah, it's got to be 10,000. It's not a, not a 940, I don't think. Well, 9.4 thousand would be 9,400. 9,400, yes, exactly. So 
thank you to everybody who's listened so far and keep telling people about it. Um, that's it for me for tonight. And that's it for me. So okay. good night to all our ships at sea. All right, friends, roll dice, be good to one another, help out your local animal charity or whatever. That's right. Okay. Stay excellent. All right. Good night, guys. Night.